if God is unlimited, He has everything, then He has to have a form. Okay? So, and He has to have a personality. And, and since He's unlimited, He also has to be able to be unmanifest at the same time. So He is manifest and He is unmanifest. So, um, let's talk about that manifest side, the, uh, the personality, you see. Let's talk about Krishna. What does Krishna want from us? Not so much what do we want from Him, but what does He want, you see. So, um, in the seventh chapter, first verse, Krishna gives us a really good indication of where he'd like our relationship to go. Krishna says, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha Mayashtaka Manaparta Yogam Yunyamad Asrayaha Asamsayam Samagramam Yatagyasi Tachtrinu. Please pardon me with my voice. Um, translation. The Supreme Personality of God had said, Now hear, O son of Prita, he's talking to Arjuna, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. So I'll say, and you can repeat, the Supreme Personality of God had said, Supreme Personality of God had said, Now hear, O son of Prita, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me with mind attached to me you can know me in full free from doubt so uh, I'll read from the purport but before I go on Krishna is saying that uh, by practicing yoga so many people practice yoga. It's so popular now. You know, back in the 70s, you know, when we became devotees, yoga was such a foreign thing, you know, but you could say yoga and most people would say, huh? What? Yo what? You know, like they think you're talking about a yo-yo. You know, <laughs> yoga? So now it's really popular. You see yoga salons on every corner and it's being marketed, it's a, a $65 billion a year industry in America. That's billion with a B. $65 billion a year are spent on yoga. And Krishna says, if you practice yoga, but he goes on to say, in full consciousness of me. Not if you just get in shape, you know, uh, become more attractive, feel better, uh, increase your digestion, stretch out, become more limber. Does he says if you practice yoga in full conscious of, conscious of, consciousness of me, with the same time as you're practicing this yoga, he wants you to have your mind attached to him. Attached. In other words, Krishna is saying, I want you to become attached to me. I, I, this is what I. This is my desire. I'm begging that you become attached. You see, this is someone asking you, please fall in love with me. 
love me. I want you to love me. You see? And to help that love, I want you, if you do this, if you practice yoga with your mind attached to me, then you will know me in full. You see? Uh, on the way over across the mountains, uh, Bhakti Jim was, was uh, saying that uh, uh, many times when we were children, we would ask questions in Sunday school. You know, I was one of those silly kids that asked really weird questions. <clears throat> and many, many times I heard people say, there are just certain things God doesn't want you to know. You ever heard that? You ever been told that? You know, there's some things that you, you won't know until you get to heaven. You ask God that. But that's not what Krishna is saying here. He's saying if you practice yoga in full consciousness of me with your mind attached to me, you will know me in full. He didn't say kinda. He says in full. I want to reveal myself to you. You see? I want you to become attached to me. And I want to reveal myself. So this is a very intimate uh, exchange here. Krishna is saying, this is what I'm asking. This is what I'm, I'm making you an offer. That you can know me in full. And I want you to become attached to me. You see? So, let's see what Srila Prabhupada says. <clears throat> By the way, if there are any questions, stop me at any time. <clears throat> okay? This is, an, I don't like to think of this as a lecture. If you don't stop me, I'll lecture. But if you stop me, we can answer questions and and it doesn't even have to be related to this, okay? If this makes you think of something else, so. Anytime, all right? Purport. In this seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the nature of Krishna consciousness is fully described. Krishna is full in all opulences, and how he manifests in such opulences is described herein. Also, <clears throat> four kinds of fortunate people who become attached to Krishna and four kinds of unfortunate people who never take to Krishna are described in this chapter. Who knows what those four fortunate people are, what four kinds of people. Krishna says there's four, four types of people, four reasons that you will uh, approach me. And they're all pious. Yes? No? But that was good. Uh. One of them is the like, spe speculative, like intellectual type. Yeah, one of them is just in search of knowledge. One of them is just curious. One of them wants money. Actually, I'm gonna, the, the, the curious and the in search of knowledge, the young, it's the same. I just want to know. I just want to check it out. You know, I was walking by the temple and I thought, I, I heard you guys singing. I thought I'd check it out. You know, that's, Krishna says, that's pious, very pious. Uh, some people just want money. You know, God has money. I think if I go to God, I, I can get money, you see. And some people are desperate. So they're just so desperate. They, they, they don't have anything, any place else to go. I'm going to throw myself on the mercy of God. And then the most pious... Uh, are the ones who are actually looking for the absolute truth. Krishna says that's okay. If you approach me, you just say, Hi Krishna, how are you today? Hey, can you spare a hundred bucks? Well, that's not very loving. 
But Krishna says, that's pious. You see? Because you came to me. You had the piety to come to me. He takes that. Krishna is very, um, well, he's the supreme. So, he's the supreme everything. Which means he's the supreme romantic. He's the supreme romantic. He's uh, very easily flattered. You approached me. You came to me. You could have gone anywhere, but you came to me. Now, <clears throat> Krishna knows that if he deals with you, uh, sometimes he just satisfies your material desires. And he knows that ultimately you will lose your material desires. And you'll want him, you see. So approaching Krishna in, in basically any way is auspicious. Krishna is all attractive. He's the most attractive. And he knows that you will ultimately, you'll fall for him. If you get exposure to him in any way, you'll, you'll fall in love, which is what he's wanting. We already have uh, a love affair with Krishna. It's dormant, but we already have it. You see, in, in this world, <coughs> in the West, in, in America, we hear a lot of talk about uh, entitlements. You hear, you know, they talk about that. Every election, they're talking about entitlements. You know, people feel that they're entitled to so much. It's funny, if you go to other parts of the world, people don't feel like they're entitled to anything. I mean, I don't know if anybody here has been outside the U.S., but, you know, we in America think, well, I'm entitled to this, you know. Oh. If you're arrested in India, you do not have the right to remain silent. You do not have the right to an attorney, unless they just feel like they'll let you have one. You see? They can put you in jail for quite some time before they get you, um, what is that, uh, indicted? Arraigned. Arraigned, arraigned, yeah. You know, if you're, mean, if you're mean to the guy, he may just put you in the basement and lock you up and let you stay there for a month or two to cool off, you see? Or maybe until you come up with enough money for a bribe or whatever, you see? But in America, we feel like, well, I'm entitled. I'm entitled to this and I'm entitled to that. And, and perhaps there are many entitlements in America. However, you as the living entity, the soul, the spirit soul, the eternal soul, you have one really big entitlement. You're entitled to share love with Krishna. That is your right. That's your right. It has been your right for eternity. <clears throat> it will always remain your right. It cannot be removed from you. You may choose not to act on it, but it will always be there. You have a right as parson, part and parcel of Krishna to have a loving relationship with him. And that's what he wants. He wants to have a loving relationship. Now when I say loving relationship, I don't mean that he wants you to uh, love him while he just orders you around. And, you know, hey, you go do this and you go do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a loving relationship uh, to the strictest definition, you see. Sharing between two lovers. Krishna continues throughout Bhagavad Gita to ask us to surrender. He, he wants us, please surrender unto me. Surrender unto me, I'll do you. If you'll surrender to me, I'll give you this. 
If you'll surrender to me, I'll protect you. If you surrender to me, I'll deliver you. Again and again and again as we go through the chapters of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is asking us to surrender. Now why? Why does he want, is he a control freak? What is it with this guy? Surrender, surrender, all right with the surrender. What does he want? Keep in mind, it's a loving relationship. Why is he asking for surrender? Because that's what lovers do. He wants to surrender to you too. He wants you to surrender to him. And he wants to surrender to you. You see, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a, a love affair to the full definition of love. It's reciprocal. It's not one-sided, you see. Krishna actually would prefer that you play down to the minimum and let, let it go away, this conception that you have of him being God. Don't think of me as God. Think of me as your lover. You know, how can you have a loving relationship with somebody that you think is God? Think about that. If, you know, I mean, you'd be afraid. I mean, gosh, what if I leave my underwear on the floor in the bathroom? God's really going to be mad at me, you know? What if, what if I don't cook his, his favorite dish the, the way he wants it? Oh, gosh, you know, thunderbolts and everything. You see, you can't have the loving relationship if you think of him as God. Now, in, in our situation right now, as uh, fallen conditioned souls, which we are, we're conditioned. We're conditioned into believing what? We are this body. We are these bodies. I'm believing that I'm an American. I'm American. I'm a human being. I'm entitled. You see, I'm not a human being. I'm not an American. I'm an eternal living entity. I'm an eternal servant of Krishna. You see. So we're conditioned. We have to get over that conditioning. So for now, it's good that we think of him as God. Okay? In our condition right now, let's think of him as God. But don't hold on to that. Let that fade as your what increases for him. Your love. As you become more and more loving, let the God thing go. That doesn't impress him. All in reverence does not turn Krishna on. Some people say, <coughs> oh, <coughs> well, if there's a God, why doesn't he show himself? Why doesn't he just come down and stop all this nonsense that's happening on the planet? Wars, famine, uh, what kind, if there is a God, why is he sitting up there on Easy Street letting us suffer down here? You know? Why doesn't he come and show himself and then we'll all know the truth and we'll all just fall in and worship him? And That sounds like the easy answer, you know? It's kind of like they talk like, well, he's not, if, he's, if there is a guy, he's not a very nice guy. Otherwise, he'd show himself then we wouldn't be in doubt. Isn't it? So, I'm making demands. You be there. You show yourself. So can we imagine if, it, if he did, let's just say, Krishna <clears throat> appeared in, uh, uh, in the harbor there by, by the uh, Statue of Liberty, you know, uh, Staten Island. Huh? Isn't it Staten Island? It's over there by the Hudson River, yeah. 
So let's say that he's, he comes down from the sky and he's approaching South Manhattan Island, you know, uh, down there by the business district. And he's got all the angels with him and trumpets are blowing. And, and the news is out there, CNN and Fox and ABC, NBC, and all of them. They're all out there. Here comes God. Yes, Phil, um, here comes God right now. Let's get the camera on him. They've got a press crew out there to interview him. You know, everybody would be falling down. They would go, oh, wow, God. This is really, there is a God, and you're him. Oh, hey, buddy, I always believed in you, right? You know, huh? I was always your friend. I mean, even when I was talking like that, I was probably just a little drunk, you know. So, you know, we're okay, huh? We're okay. Are we, buddy? We're okay, aren't we? So everybody would be falling at his feet. I love you, God. Yeah, right. No, actually, they'd fire nukes. <laughs> they may. They no, may. They Let's find out if it's God. <laughs> Plus, they don't want him. Yeah, the okay. people that have the nukes, they don't want, they don't want him. No. no, no, they would fire the nukes. Yeah. <laughs> But if the nukes didn't work, they would say, well, we knew they weren't going to work. We were just proving to everybody that you're God. Yeah, they would start to go, uh oh And ultimately, they'd be falling at his feet. Yes. Krishna doesn't want that. He could have it in a heartbeat. Wherever he goes, he could have people falling at his feet. He wants genuine. He wants you to seek him out. And if you don't want to seek him out, then that's okay. He's got a really great home for you in this material world, and you can stay here as long as you want. He'll give you daily bread every day. He'll take care of you. He'll give you all kinds of resources for you to uh, try to uh, take charge of. Yeah. He'll give you resources to everybody, and I can steal some of yours, so I'll have more. And I can cheat you out of yours and I'll sell some things that don't work and I'll get some of your resources. So I can manipulate this material energy for my own benefit and for your derogatory benefit, you see. So Krishna says, if you don't want me, that's okay. You can stay here as long as you like. But I know sooner or later you're going to want me because I'm Krishna. I'm the most desirable object because all of you are driven on one uh, main desire. All of us have one main desire. What do you think that is? <clears throat> we all want fame, profit, adoration, and distinction, but why do we want? If I have lots of money, what can I get? It's back to love. I can get somebody to love me. They'll love me if I have enough money. If I'm famous, Somebody's going to think, wow, I love you because you're famous. Hey, haven't I seen you? Yeah, I know you. Go into a restaurant and you're famous? Why, the aphrodisiac of fame. People come into, into contact with people are, that are famous. You know, I know one person now who's come in contact with someone who's famous. And it's like they've taken some sort of uh, intoxication. Now, now I know somebody who's famous. Everybody in America knows this person. Oh, this is... It's changed my life. Such foolishness. So if I have fame, if I have wealth, if I'm distinguished, if I'm the guy who invented whatever, 
Somebody will love me. I can get love. You see? You can ask people, which would you rather have? Would you rather have uh, perfect health and be alone, have no relationship except casual folks that you know? Or would you be kind of sick? Would you rather be kind of sick and, be, and have a fantastic love affair? Most people would say, you know, give me love and I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll be sick once in a while. Which would you trade? I mean, would you, would you give up, let's say, if you could live to be 100 years old and in perfect health, but alone, no real meaningful relationship? Or would you rather die at age 45 and have the best love of your life? Most people will take love. If we examine ourselves, if we go deep within, we find the driving force is love. We are creatures of love. We all feel, most people that you find in, a, in, in the world are going to, if they get honest, they're going to tell you they feel a little bit, at least once in a while, unloved or underloved. You notice that? Isn't that true? I could use more. I'm going to have some. And it's good. But man, we could sure turn the heat up on it any time. You know, I really want it, I want it to boil. You know, I don't want it to simmer. I'm either unloved, some people feel I'm just unloved. Nobody loves me. Huh? And then the others are underloved at best. You rarely find, and if you do find somebody that says, man, I got all the love in my life that I can take. It's just wonderful. And you see them next year and you say, hey, how's the love life going? Oh man, can we talk? Oh gosh. Oh. oh, really? It's over, huh? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I feel like a fool that I asked. Right? Jeez. You know. So, what do we want? We want real, eternal love. I want a love that won't go away. You see? I want a love that I can depend on, that I know is there, minute after minute, day after day, year after year, yuga after yuga. I want to know, you see. I want the real thing. I want, I want the fairy tale. I want that. That's what we all want. And we're willing to do so many things to get it. We can see. Why do people buy the kind of cars that they buy? Why do people dress the way they dress? Why do people cut their hair the way they... People are, are influenced by the desire for love. And sometimes they don't even know it. Sometimes they think, I just want attention. You know, I want to be uh, distinguished as being a part of a certain group. So I'm going to dress or I'm going to act like that group. Because within that, I'll find the kind of love that I want. I don't want to be like you because I don't think I can find the love in your group that I want. You see what I mean? If we get, if we get honest with ourselves, to thine own self be true, if we drill down into our psyche... We're motivated by the desire for love, you see. Why? Because it's what we are. It's who we are. It's what we come from. We come from an eternal, loving relationship with the Supreme. We have been supremely loved for eternity, you see. So the devotee of Krishna doesn't ever feel unloved or underloved. What does the devotee feel? 
overloved. I'm loved by the supreme lover. He does the sweetest things. He's the most romantic. He carries, he, he provides everything that I lack. He's predictably unpredictable in his love. I never know what he's going to send me next. You see? I never know what cheer or, or delight he's going to bring into my life next. It's a constant. Constant. It never stops. And I'm not special. He's doing the same for you, too. We just have to open up and realize this is my relationship with God. This is my eternal relationship. It always has been this way. It always will be this way. I am entitled to it. Why don't I embrace it? Why don't I jump in his arms? Huh? What stops me? I'm not thoroughly convinced. I don't have the conviction, you see. And I've been in this material world so long <clears throat> that I'm conditioned into thinking that I'm a part of this. I believe that I'm a part of this. And because I, I believe I'm a part of this, I'll uh, campaign for so many material uh, causes. Because I'm a part of this. You see, I'm a part of this world. And the fact is, my body, which I'm not, is a part of this world. I am not a part of this world. Uh, if you ever... <clears throat> I don't know if they have it anymore, but I remember... When I was a kid, my mother bought this uh, um, this particular kind of salad dressing. And you had to shake it up before you poured it on your salad. And you could shake it up and let it sit for a few seconds. And the oil would split and float on the top. You couldn't mix it. If you want to get the oil and the, I guess it was vinegar, the oil and the vinegar both on your salad, you had to shake, 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 shake and then pour it on real quick because it starts to separate. They don't mix, you see. They don't mix. That's what you, you don't mix with this material world. You're under some illusion that you have something to do with this material world. It is so wrong. Nothing could be more wrong, you see. You have nothing to do with this material world. You're a tourist. You're passing through, all of us, you see. Huh? Thank God. Thank God we don't have to stay. Some people ask me, why don't you believe in the... Uh, uh, <clears throat> why don't you spend more time talking about permaculture? Why don't you spend more time talking against GMO? Why don't you spend more time talking about children's rights? Blacks' rights? Women's rights? Gays' rights? Why don't you spend more time... Why don't you champion a cause? And I say, I'm championing a cause. The devotee is out for everybody's rights. We're for all the above. Why should I say, well, I want to do for, I want to, I want to take care of your rights. But I'm not looking after everybody else's rights. What about the animals' rights? You know, we eat so many millions a day. This is called, there's sexism. You know, sexism means that you're against the opposite sex. 
<coughs> what they haven't realized is what's happening in, in most of the world is speciesism. Speciesism. I accept one species as a pet. They're warm and fuzzy. And the others I'll eat. I am a speciesist. You see? We're, make, we're going around making demands that uh, I want you to see men and women all the same. I want you to see all the rights for children. I want you to see the, all the rights for all the graces. And uh, while you're doing that, let's go get a burger. It's never going to work. It's broken. You see, it's never going to work. You see, so um, the living entity has nothing to do with this world we're just passing through. So what should we devote our time what cause should we really put our time into? Learning to love Krishna. Regaining our lost love affair. It's ours. It's like we're, in a, we're temporarily in a coma. You see? We're misidentifying with everything. We need to just wake up and embrace the Lord. He's standing there waiting. You see, he's eager. He never went into a coma. He remembers your lost relationship. Our love for him stopped when we came to this material world. His didn't. You see, he still has his affair with us, his love affair going. Uh, it was us that turned our attention to something else and came here and tried to be part of this material world. We've tried to be every <clears throat> one of the eight million uh, 400,000 species of life. We've tried to be dogs, we've tried to be cats, we've tried to be humans and whatever. We've, we've tried to be trees and grass. We've, we've tried and tried and tried to be part of this material world. And here we are. Here we are. After all these millions and millions of births, here we are. We're still searching. Unless you believe, well, no, I just popped up here, you know, I just came to this material world my last, uh, this, when I was birthed, uh, uh, when I took birth this time. If you believe, well, this is my first time here, that's different. But I think most people understand, most people who have some spiritual realization, we've been here for a long time. We've been navigating through this material world for a long, many, many billions of years. And here we are, still, trying to get out. You know, we've been in prison. We've been looking for a way to escape for billions of years, you see. So long that it's considered that you've been here eternally. Nitya Bandha, one who's always, it's so long that it's considered you've always been here. That's how long. Somebody says, how about 150 billion years? How about 150 billion times that? We've been here so long that it's practically like we've all, it's for eternity we've been here. You see, that's how long we've, um, we've been searching in this material world for a way out. And we tried so many things. So, we become fortunate when we come in contact with Krishna's devotees and we chant the holy name. For everybody who chants the holy name, <clears throat> I heard Srila Prabhupada say one time, 
just by chanting Hare Krishna one time, very soon you will be leaving this place. Very soon it'll be checkout time. Now, what does that mean? A hundred years? What if it were a hundred lifetimes? Would that sound like a good deal? If Krishna says, I guarantee you, 100 more births, and then you're out of here, liberated. What would you think? Goody. Goody. Yeah. 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 Yeah, would you you sign? You know, would you sign that, you know, in triplicate? Let's have it notarized. (laughs) Yeah, okay, man, I'd jump jump at that. Yeah, I mean, I try to negotiate him down to 50. <laughs> you know, he might come down to 90. You know, he's kind of a loving fellow. Like, <coughs> uh, might be a nap. Huh? I said maybe one of those lifetimes is a nap. Is a nap. You know, maybe they're all a nap. I mean, you could throw yourself on his, uh, on his mercy and say, okay, Krishna, I'll stay here forever. Just don't let me ever forget you. Mm-hmm. Well... Like the story of Dhruva Maharaj. Dhruva Maharaj, you remember that story, Dhruva? Dhruva Maharaj was the, <clears throat> the son of a king, and the king had many wives. And uh, Dhruva uh, was not the son of one of the favored wives. He was like, the king had many, maybe Dhruva was the, the son of uh, <clears throat> maybe the tenth favored wife. There were ten wives in front of him. You see, so Druva was sitting on the king's lap one day, and then <clears throat> the son of the favored queen came up, and it was the favored son, and he held his arms up for his father. So Druva's father pushed him off his lap, put the favored son on his lap, and it broke his heart. He thought, oh, this is horrible. I've never felt such pain, you see. And he became angry. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to someday, I'm going to have a kingdom. And I'm, I'm going to be able to buy and sell you, my father. And he became really upset. So he ran away, six years old, went to the forest. And he remembered <coughs> hearing the sages talk about a mantra. That if you chant, you'll invoke the Lord. And he thought, I'm going to go do that and I'm going to get Krishna. And when Krishna comes, I'm going to ask him for the boon I want. I want to be the wealthiest creature, you see. So he went to the forest and he's chanting this mantra that invokes the Lord. Does anybody know what that mantra is? Ma mantra? No. Although that one does too. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. A lot of people think "Om" is all you have to say, but that's that's not true. We're, what's going, what's being passed around America now is like a, a a little piece of the real story, you know. Om, <clears throat> you know, uh, Linda, that's your name, Lisa. Lisa. I'm sorry. So if I called you, if I said Lisa, what would you say? Yes? Yeah. Hello? And then I said, Lisa! Hello already? Hello. Lisa! 
What? I'm here. Are you deaf? I mean, come on. So, when we sit down and we chant, Aum, Krishna says, Yes? Aum, Yes? Is this thing on? Yes? Aum, Oh, jeez, another one of those. You don't have anything to say. So, <clears throat> why not say something after you've got his attention? Om, Krishna says yes. Namo, my obeisances to you. Bhagavate, one who is complete in all six opulences. Vasudevaya, the son of Vasudeva. You see, so that's a sweet, that's complete. You can say so many Omagyantimarindasyagana. The Vedic mantras begin with Om, but Om is not the beginning and the end. So anyway, that's my thing on uh, the American take on yoga. So, uh, Dhruva Maharaja sitting for six months chanting, Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya, without stopping. No sleeping, no eating. Six months he's meditating. And after six months, he felt someone's presence. So he opened his eyes and there stood Krishna. Krishna standing there. Krishna says, my boy, you have pleased me very deeply. I'll give you anything you want. What is it that you would like me to give you? Dhruva Maharaj is looking at Krishna and he threw the Bhagavad Gita on the floor. <laughs> he dropped his book. He was, he looked at Krishna and he said, My dear Lord, I came here to get wealth. I wanted to have wealth so much that I could buy and sell my father. But now that I see you and you're offering to give me anything, I want you. I want you. So Krishna says, Oh, then it's me you shall have. You will never forget me. I will always be in your vision. And Dhruva Mara says, I, one time I wanted valuable jewels, and emeralds and diamonds, but now all that looks like pieces of broken glass to me. All I want is you. Krishna said, you will always have me. And then Krishna was so kind that he gave him his own planet. And we can see that planet if we look into the north sky. It's called the North Star. That North Star is the home of Dhruva. In Sanskrit, it's called Dhruvalok. Many thousands of years ago, it was called Dhruvaloka. Now we call it the North Star because it's, in, it's the prominent star and it's the star in which all stars rotate around. You see how mushy and loving Krishna is? Because Dhruva just said, I just want you. Krishna says, not only can you have me, but I'm going to give you wealth far beyond what you were ever dreaming. I want to give you not only your own planet, but the most prominent planet. You see. Dhruva's like, that's not what I want. I just want to always remember you. You see. So, <clears throat> we should develop this attitude of, I just want you, Krishna. This is what I'm looking for, just you. You've all I've ever wanted. Uh, you're all that I could ever possibly want. 
All the things that I've wanted seem like pieces of broken glass. I've always wanted love, but I can never get love like I can have with you. I want to share that love with you eternally, you see. That is liberation. Liberation doesn't mean dying. You don't have to die to be liberated. Mukti is not earned by death. You can be liberated right now. All you have to do is embrace Krishna as your lover and surrender. You beg Krishna, please don't let me ever forget you. I want Two things I want, Krishna. I want to always remember you and never forget you. You see, that is liberation. Even though you may be in this body <clears throat> and walking on this planet, you're liberated. And if you can get to that position, you don't care where you are. You don't care what kind of planet or what kind of world you're in because you have everything you've ever wanted. You've got the love, loving exchange with Krishna. You've regained your uh, dormant love for Krishna. So, we've got about 15 minutes. How about questions? Comments? Um, yes, we're a problem. <coughs> you know, it, it just seems so difficult to just love Krishna because he's not present before us. I mean, he is, but we don't understand that. I mean, how? So, is that why we chant? I mean, obviously, I guess so, because we're associating with him, getting to, like, yeah. I mean, just, you know. It's a great idea, but how do you really accomplish it? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult idea because, uh, uh, and I, I've said this before, I've I, I used this example a lot. It's like, you know, if you meet someone who was once an alcoholic, you know, you, I've met people and I say, well, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Oh, okay. How long has it been since you had a drink? Oh, 37 years. 37, you sound like you're recovered. No, no, I'm recovering. Because <clears throat> if I had a drink, I'd have 50. So I'm not cured yet. You know? I mean, I, I, I changed my life, but I'm not cured. So I like to sometimes tell people, I'm a recovering impersonalist. I was once an impersonalist. It's like when I started reading Bhagavad Gita. I noticed... Prabhupada was talking about these mayavadis, the impersonalists. And I start, after a while I started thinking, who are these people? I've never met any of these people, these impersonalists, these mayavadis. Who are they and why is Prabhupada, why is he dogging them so much? I mean, did they beat him up and take his lunch money on his way to, on his way to school? You know, what was the deal? What's the deal with Prabhupada and these mayavadis? As I developed some understanding, I was talking with Jai Waitam Maharaj, and he was saying the same thing happened to him. As I developed a little understanding, I realized I'm the Mayavadis. I'm an impersonalist. It's just like we were talking, Bhakti Jim and I were talking today on the way across the mountains. <clears throat> Many religions, it's just like you can come in, in contact with someone who's uh, a Kashmiri Shivite. The Shivites, you know, have you met? 
And they'll say, but we're not Mayavadis. We're not impersonalists. We worship Shiva. Shiva Shivaji has form. You say, oh, very good. So <clears throat> when you achieve, achieve liberation, what will you and Shivaji be doing? Oh, Shivaji, when he's not in this world, he's unmanifest. You're a Mayavadi. You're an impersonalist. You say you're not, but you are. You see? I believe in Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's wonderful. What about his father? What is he? Oh, he's the spirit of love. Huh? You're my body. You won't give God a personality. <coughs> you see? So, <clears throat> we're recovering my bodies. We, were imper- we have been impersonalists for <clears throat> gazillions of years. So now, in one lifetime, we're trying to overcome that. We're conditioned, you see. So, <clears throat> even though conceptually we can understand, okay, God has to have personality. He's got to have a form. He's unlimited. Okay, I can understand that. But I'm going to revert back to the impersonalist philosophy. So I've got to take it in baby steps. I've got to regain <clears throat> my personal uh, consciousness of, of God in baby steps. So the first one, let me chant his, his name. So when I chant this Krishna, Krishna is there. We're associating. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna is associating with me. So we, we start to associate. Now what am I doing when I'm chanting this Hare Krishna? What does that mean? Interpret it. I'm begging Krishna. I'm begging Radha. Please engage me in your eternal, loving, devotional service. Okay, so first I start out by associating with him in his name, his name form, which is not different from him. And in doing so, I'm begging him to engage me in service. So then he offers me the opportunity to render some service. And as I perform devotional service, I become reestablished in my constitutional position of serving Krishna. From that, my consciousness starts to awaken. And my uh, consciousness of his presence grows. And we start to see him everywhere. We start to experience him everywhere. We can feel him at every minute in our life. You see? But it takes... Some people say, all I've got to do is chant. Well, yes. To get to devotional service. You see? We have to perform service. When you love somebody, you want to do something for them. That's, That's how you show. It's like you buy them a gift. You know? Take them to dinner. You know, we fix foodstuffs for them. There's so many things we do to demonstrate our love. You see? So as we <clears throat> perform uh, the regulations of bhakti yoga, we start to develop an attraction for Krishna. And after some time of this attraction, we become attached to Krishna. You see? So it takes... 
Uh, and it depends on us. It can happen in a millisecond, or it might take many births. If we stay on the path, it may be many births. It depends on us. How attached are we to the material world? How much can we embrace Krishna and let go of the material world? Does that make any sense? Does that answer it? Good question. What else? Why is your why is your outfit orange? Uh, I, I washed some orange socks and UT fan. I'm a UT fan. <laughs> University of Texas. Ah, uh, you thought I was going to say Tennessee, didn't you? No, it's a, uh, it, I'm just I'm a monk. Uh, uh, the, those in the renounced order of monk, uh, they wear this uh, saffron color. And uh, the grihastas, the, uh, those who are married, um, like Prabhu here, wears white. You see? So, just to, just to sh show that, uh, uh, that I'm a monk. You know, a monk is somebody who doesn't really own anything, although I own a couple of things. I have transportation. Uh, but I don't live anywhere. I don't have a, a place. And even if I did, I wouldn't be there very long. I just travel and do what I'm doing right now. This is all I do. It's all I look forward to and all I, all I uh, want to do. You see, so I'm a monk. So since I'm a monk, they say you got to wear orange. <laughs> well, no, I got a word for Gihasta or whatever is household, right? Oh. Yeah, Grihasta shouldn't wear. I'm just saying, for her, householder is what the, that's what the word is in Grihasta. Grihasta. Yeah. Grihasta wears white. Wears white. The householders wear white. Except we have an example here of your fellow uh, uh, forest dweller. Yeah, Rainy Type of Wood chooses to wear white. Right. And he's not actually a householder, but he chooses to wear. Although I guess he owns this house right now. Yeah. 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 Yes, mother. I have a question. Um, you've spoken a lot about love, and um, I'm not overly familiar with the Bhagavad Gita, but where I guess just I'm wondering. My favorite emotion, or whatever, what the emotion that comes to me when when I interact with God or uh, Krishna uh, is gratitude so often, you know, I, and I feel like they're somewhat separate. There's gratitude and there's love. I mean, they're similar. Uh, they go hand in hand. Where does the Bhagavad Gita go into gratitude? Or can you speak some on, well, on we the, should always, the feeling of gratitude? We should always have that gratitude. We should always have, uh, we should always feel thankful for, to, to Krishna. You see, um, the devotee doesn't see him or herself qualified in any way. You see, I'm fallen. Mm -hmm. But you, my dear Lord, are so kind. You've, you send devotees to save me. You've sent Rani Thai Prabhu to this city, you know, to save us. He's not coming here because he wants to live in Asheville. You know, he's going to, Gets, get this place started, somebody will come forward and become a leader, and he's going to go do this again somewhere else. 
It may not be a pretty place like Asheville, you know. The devotees thinking, uh, I really love to live here. I, I mean, I love it here. And I, but I love it so many places. And there's so many places that I go and spend a lot of time that I don't like at all. But I like my service and out of gratitude. It's just like one time, uh, uh, one devotee was saying to my guru, Srila Prabhupada, Dear Srila Prabhupada, I can never repay you. How can I ever repay you? How can I ever repay you for saving me? And Prabhupada said, for now it's best to remain in my, in my debt. <laughs> you can't repay. Yeah. What, could you, what can you do? You know, someone saves you, how do you save them? They're already, they have the consciousness. When the devotee pulls you out of the nescience pool, the ignorance, the pool, the darkness of ignorance, well, how do you, you don't. So you're just eternally grateful. Mm -hmm. Eternally. Which is a step towards love. Mm -hmm. I'm so good. Oh, I, I'm feeling love from you. Mm -hmm. That invokes love in me. Mm -hmm. It's like it sets a fire. Sets it in motion. All right. We've got probably time for one quick question or we're going to wrap it up. we got three minutes. Going once. Going twice. Can we change for three minutes? No way, forget it. No. <laughs> what do you, he wants to chant for three minutes. What do you think? Or should we? Uh, if you'd like to chant for three minutes, you can time it for 180 seconds. 180 seconds. <laughs> Kick it off. Okay. Can I start with Hare Krishna? Certainly. Hare Krishna.